What's going on, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Top Ends Talk. And I'm not going to make this as awkward as Tim did the last time we opened. Oh, my God, get lost. That's <laughs> fire, buddy. Um, yeah, we're, gonna, we're coming hot today on this episode. But welcome to another episode. I am your host, as always, Marcin Kazmarski at PLU Ventino on Twitter with my co-host, Tim. Say what's up, Tim. Hey, everybody. As always, Tim here at Footy Kuji on Twitter. Yeah, so today... We have a lot to talk about. A lot of uh, a lot of crazy stuff has happened since we our, our last episode, which was two and a half weeks ago. We have uh, Lionel Messi, obviously. We're going to chat about that first. We have Chelsea in their massive window. Uh, we're going to chat some U.S. men's national team, which is something you're most likely probably never going to hear from me ever again. <laughs> yeah, just quick quick hits already. Yeah. Uh, and, and we're going to end it off with Serie A quick hits about some uh, big transfers and movement of players that happened over the last few weeks in Serie A. Um, but yeah, let's start off with probably the biggest news and kind of something that everybody's been talking about over the past, I'd say, week, week or two. Uh, and that's the Lionel and Messi situation. So if you don't know about the Messi situation, I'm going to have Tim here kind of rope you in and give you the most updated details that we have on it right now. Yeah, all right. So really quick, just to kind of catch everybody up to speed, here's what's going on with the Messi situation. First of all, it's no rumor that he's really unsettled, as are most of the players at Barcelona right now, due to the fact that the club's really underperforming. Right. So after we consider that, Messi, when you look at his contract, his final season of his contract is actually the 2021 season. And the issue with that is that prior to this whole COVID scenario happening, the idea was that he would play out the 1920 season and see how he felt just kind of as an honor system thing of saying, I'll stick around for the 2021 season. Now, considering that, you know, the idea was if he didn't want to do it, it's an optional year where he could really just simply say, guys, I don't want to sign on for the club for the next season, but he had to let them know by June 10th. What ended up happening, obviously, with this whole COVID scenario is that his season ended up running past June 10th, right? So he ended up finishing out the season and doing the club a favor by not saying, hey, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to finish things out. And due to that, he unintentionally, by the club's view, opted in for his last year in the contract because he did not let them know by June 10th that he wanted to leave. So now Messi's team is saying, well, it's on the contract. It's written in stone. We understand it. However, the deal was that we could just walk after. And the club is saying, no, no, you had until June 10th. You were playing past that. We paid you past that. So now we got to take it to a situation where we're going by how we physically interpret this. The issue now being that, of course, Messi wants to leave. He wants to leave, but the club want him to stay. So now there's a possibility of lawyers getting involved. It's getting into a little bit of a madhouse. And the whole football world is kind of sitting on a knife's edge about it. Because as Marson's going to tell you shortly, he's not short of any suitors, is he? No, not at all. There's uh, obviously any club in the world would be thrilled to have uh, Messi on their on their uh, squad. Uh, but yeah, there are some more, uh, I'd say, larger sides that have kind of already thrown their hat in the ring or, or looked into the possibility of signing um, Lionel Messi. Obviously, the one that kind of sticks out to everybody is Man City, obviously with the uh, Pep Guardiola situation there and them being best buds from their Barca days. So, yeah, Man City already is kind of like front of the queue right there, like like suitor one. Um, there are a couple other teams that have been kind of like murmured around. Uh, PSG is another one just because they can offer him a, a, a truckload of money, and obviously that's that's going to play a part in this. Uh, surprisingly, Juve and, and uh, Merida from the other team that shall never, never be named on the podcast um, <laughs> have also been um, rumored in, and I mean, like... Like quick, quick little like side note: If you have a Ronaldo Messi partnership at Juve next year, oh man, my goodness, that's like that's gonna blow heads. Like I'm gonna, <laughs> like everybody in the world is gonna be tuned into every Juve game, which I'm all for. Man. Like, us <laughs> more cash, we spend more on players. Like I'm all about it. Oh my god, that ESPN Plus subscription is about to jump up in price. <laughs> I'm already locked in for next year, five ninety nine. I'm good. I'm locked. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, we have a ton of different teams that. Are, are literally lining up. So uh, other clubs that have been kind of like mentioned have been uh, like Chelsea. Chelsea has been mentioned also and Bayern Munich 
So pretty much any large mate, larger club in, in world of football has uh, and said that, hey, if Messi wants to come here, we're more than happy to bring him here. Um, but obviously we want to talk about, kind of have to exclude some teams. So th- there's some clubs that it makes more sense for him to go to versus other clubs. And that's kind of where we want to talk about right now for a little bit is where do you think in terms of those suitors, it makes sense? Let's say like Man City. Does it make sense for him to go to Man City? I think it makes I think it makes a lot of sense. I think it makes the most sense for him to go to City considering City is already set up to be a powerhouse in football. And not that the other sides aren't. It's just that they're already established in the league. Yeah, Liverpool won it this season, but... It's not as if City were really falling asleep at the wheel. They were still bagging goals in left and right. And they've already solved their their defensive crises with something that we're going to mention a little later transfer-wise. You know, it's just a scenario where I think City is just the most complete side, I guess I would say, that he could move to right now that could fiscally afford him. Yeah, so, um, yeah, obviously that whole Pep Guardiola relationship, too, is is a huge point. That kind of is a major plus for, uh, for Messi. What do you think about the move for Messi if he went to Juve, for example, though? Well, immediate tension. Is Dybala going to go ahead and play second fiddle to him like he does on the national team? Because realistically, that's Dybala's team. I understand, you know, Ronaldo has a has a big presence in that team. But that's that's Dybala's team. That's his club. That's his passion. Yeah, and, and I would hate to see Messi come in and and cause some sour relationship in that. And I don't think it would suit him as much because when we bring up coaching-wise, let's bring up the fact that Andrea Pirlo has already brought up that he wants a big nine to play in that center-forward spot, which means that you're looking at a scenario where he, if he's bringing in Messi with the amount of money that is going to be required to do so, he's got to shift the ball out because there's no way that all three of them are going to play if he wants that big traditional number nine because Ronnie's going to want the other wing, Messi's going to want a wing, Dybala doesn't fit that body type, despite the fact that both of us know he's a wonderful player. So I just think, again, look at the coaching. And just like you mentioned, where he has the relationship with Pep, doesn't really have that with Pirlo. So if Pirlo wants to play a different game, not really something that he's going to be able to do anything about. Or worst case scenario, he does do something about it and Dybala now has to go. Yeah, so obviously Palito is, is, is my favorite player currently at the team and everybody knows that. Um, so I'd be very upset. Um, my whole thing is, yeah, Messi would be a great addition to Juve. And don't don't get me wrong, he, he's obviously one of the greatest players of all time. But to, to get him in, and even for a year or two kind of deal, to and then have to push out Dybala, who's essentially the present and the future of the club, future Capitano, I, I don't think that's the move. Um, so per- personally, like that, that's my viewpoint. I think there's uh, also with Juve being obviously needing to allocate funds for other departments, including the midfield and potentially maybe the wingbacks still. Uh, I just can't personally see it happening right now. Uh, and the last team that I kind of want to talk about is will be PSG. Obviously, you have that huge Neymar connection there. They're, they used to be really good friends back uh, in the Barca days. And I, I could just imagine a, a, a front three of Neymar, Mbappe, and Messi. I mean, that would be – that's that's next. <laughs> that's an exciting side right there. That's an exciting side. But if you're looking at it, you know, lifestyle-wise, it's kind of funny because PSG almost has everything to offer that City doesn't, right? Where City has continuity as far as their coaching goes and financially goes and, you know, and as far as everything on the pitch goes. But it's almost as if PSG has all the other things it doesn't, right? Because no shots being taken at England right now. Would you rather live in Manchester or would you rather live in Paris? Yeah, Paris, 100%. Paris, 100%. The nightlife, the everything, the... You know, all this, I mean, obviously COVID is kind of putting a damper on that, but, you know, and he would get to play an exciting brand of football, you know, with the other two in that, in that, with Neymar and with Mbappe. However, is that really a side that's built to win? You know, it, I mean, obviously they take home their league trophy, but this is really the, the first time that they got to the Champions League finals, albeit they got further than Barcelona. But is this really a side on the field that's going to get him what he wants? Because let's face it, realistically, he's got to be looking for a Champions League medal before his career ends again, right? Yeah. So so that's really got to be what he's looking for. And is, I just don't think PSG is going to be the side to get that to him before City does. Yeah, so I, I think all three of the teams that we mentioned, I think Juve, 
um, PSG and Man City. You you throw Messi into any of those three teams, I think though that's a that's a team that's a potential finalist for for another Champions League. Yeah, uh, I, I think all of those squads have a, a pretty like decent setup from from top to bottom. Uh, any of any of those three teams, you you stick Messi into, they're they're competing for a Champions League. Uh, I mean, it's 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 semifinals, finals or bust with with Messi on any of those three teams. Um, the funny thing is, is none of those teams really necessarily need Messi, which is the funny thing you kind of mentioned because, like, you don't necessarily need him in any of those squads. Like the the amount of talent that City have, the like Neymar, Mbappe, Icardi, Di, Di Maria at, at at PSG. Yes, he's an improvement, but he's not a necessity. And same thing at Juve, he's also not a necessity. So it's it's funny because he's going to be a, a really good, obviously really good, I'm stressing that, a really good luxury for whichever team he goes to if, I mean, and obviously that's a huge if, if he even leaves Barcelona because I also read that he was offered a, a new two-year deal today by Barcelona. So, I mean, if he even decides at that point, hey, maybe this was just a huge ploy to get more money out of Barca at the well, end of the day. Well, I, you know, just to give him his credit where it's due, where he's always had a love for his club, a lot of people are arguing that this is actually a ploy for him to get some of the higher ups that have, you know, almost quote unquote destroyed the club in the past couple of years, you know, to get out of position. You know, I, I believe Eric Abidal has already resigned from his yeah. position recently. And, you know, and you consider things like that. And it's not past the realm of possibility for him to be making all this noise because he wants the changes to be done at the club. You had Jared Piquet, who was making an emotional plea at the end of you know, at the end of the of the last Champions League games that they were in with getting absolutely waxed by Bayern Munich, you know, and he was making an emotional appeal, but that's not really going to get anywhere as far as Messi is going to get by saying, I'm I'm done, I'm not leaving, I'm leaving this club and it's it's the end of it, it's curtains, you know? I, I think I think if that's his end game, I think if his ploy during this whole situation is like, hey, I'm going to try to get people fired at the club, I think that's just the wrong way to go about it. Like, But it... I understand. I totally get like, like yeah. He may he that's that's his opinion though. He may think that these managers, these higher up management people, are ruining the club. But that's his opinion though. He, he I don't think he should be taking it upon himself to like hold the club ransom and be like, oh, I don't like this guy. Get him fired or I'm leaving. I don't I don't think that's the way you go about it. Okay, but you know I have to disagree with you on that because he's been around the club long enough where he understands football at a level that you know that most people can. And I really think the proof is in the put-in with how, you know, how the team performed. You know, what were you doing bringing in Antoine Griezmann? I understand he was a hot commodity at the time, but you already had Luis Suarez. They're not that far apart in age, you know, and I understand that Suarez left and Griezmann's staying, and we'll see how that works out. But Griezmann himself is getting, you know, getting into the twilight of his career shortly, you know, and, and that's my point is that, you know, he's got the right to question those things, and it's not as if, it's a one-off that he's looking at here. The entire football community is looking at Barca saying, what's happening with this club? Yeah, I guess I guess that is what we're going to have to agree to disagree. And I think that mm-hmm. will end our messy talk. I'm sure we're going to talk about this at a future pod, for sure, because there's no way this is obviously the end of it. No, yeah, no shot. <laughs> but but wait, the, before like, we get off messy, yeah, but get your opinion off. real quick. Before we get off messy. Do you think it makes more sense for him to go to one of these suitors, or do you think it makes more sense for him to stay at Barca? I think he should he should leave Barca personally, and it's not because like oh he doesn't like management or, or the players or whatever. I just would like to see him play in a different league besides La Liga and and without that core group of players. I'm re- like generally like it's not about like the Ronaldo versus Messi debate, none of that. I just genuinely want to see him either play in the Prem and see how he does in the Prem because obviously it's completely different from La Liga. Or even Serie A or or Liguna, I'm I'm pretty sure he would, he would dominate there. But like Serie A and I think the EPR are, are two different beasts from how La Liga style plays. And I, I'm just curious how he would how he would cope playing in either one of those leagues. Yeah, you know I got to tell you, I think I agree with you. I respect what he's done at Barca, and you know I love me a one club man just like Totti was. But you know it's it is what it is, and you know and that's, we have to also face it where. The days of the, you know, the the Del Pieros and the Tottis, you know, those days are, are not really, you know, imagine the situation now where Barca goes down a couple of tiers because of some allegations. You know, do you really see the elite players staying? It's it's a lot more financially based now. And if it's financially based, you got to argue that Messi's doing himself a favor by saying, let me get out of this contract and let me get a really sweet payout and a new challenge at a new location 
Yep. Which might just fire him up for another year or two, you know? Yep. All right, Tim, I want to have you, since we've talked a little bit about the Prem, I think we're going to stay in the Prem for our next topic. Okay. We're going to talk about uh, Chelsea. So, and Chelsea have made moves. And <laughs> An understatement. That They've is a- made sonic shockwaves throughout the transfer market. They have. They have made absolute moves all over um, the transfer market for the last few weeks. Um, just naming a few, you have Ben Chilwell, you have Thiago Silva, you have Timo Werner. Um, you have uh, Havertz is almost complete based off everything that I'm, that I'm reading. It's it's basically down to small details. Um, so the team is really stacking itself up. And obviously the first thing, before we get into if they're good enough to compete and all that kind of fun stuff, looking at all the names that they've brought in, how would you rate this window out of 10? Okay, so this window for me is going to get, and this might be an unpopular opinion, it's not a hot take. I have the backup. I have the receipts for it. I understand what I'm saying right now. Okay, Oof. I would give this window at this moment a 7 out of 10. Okay? A 7 out of 10 because understandable that goals were an issue for Chelsea last season, but they had a young group of players that was only going to get better. And Frank Lampard was doing excellent in his tutelage of those players and getting the most out of them, right? Okay. So goals, at least from where I'm sitting, goals were going to come. Obviously, you can't rely on on Giroud as much as you could have in, you know, in the past in his career. And Tammy Abraham was hot and cold for the season. So Timo Werner, big plus for you, absolutely. That said, Hakeem Zayek is a wonderful player, and I think he's an absolute baller. But what is he bringing that you don't already have in that team? I mean, I'm not knocking him at any capacity. I'm just saying you already had creative midfielders in Mason Mount. You already had direct players in Christian Pulisic. You already had ballers in the midfield. A lot of people forget that they have Mateo Kovacic in that midfield as well. And he was, I mean, he was ripping it up uh, before he went to Madrid. And he ripped it up last season for Chelsea as well. Uh, you know, and that's just that's just my take on it as well, is that they haven't really solved a lot of their issues, which were defensive and goalkeeper-wise. I understand they signed Thiago Silva on a free contract, but Thiago Silva's aging. I don't think he's going to be able to withstand the battering that comes in with the Premier League. I mean, you remember when Papita, when Gonzalo Higuain, when he went over to the Premier League and all he said was, they just kick you for 90 minutes. <laughs> and my point to that is it's a lot more physical, and I think signing a, a guy who was at the end of his contract couldn't get a new one at PSG, and then... You know, signing Star was a good move, but I, I believe he's already being loaned back out. Just doesn't seem to check those boxes for me. And of course, goalkeeping wise, they still have the most expensive blunder in goalkeeping history in Kepa Arifa Balagra, which is the most fun name to say in football. But unfortunately, that doesn't get you clean sheets. So seven out of ten for me, I don't really see it. I'm sure you have a different take on it, but oh, Oh, Seven out of ten for me because they still haven't solved their major problems. I'm going ballsy. I'm going nine out of ten. Ooh, right at the gate, right at the gate. And then my only reason I don't give them a ten is because that last thing that you mentioned is because they still have Kepa and goal. That is the one thing that if they signed a class goalkeeper, and I mean class goalkeeper, like somebody quality, like Jan Oblak, something yeah. like that. Jan Oblak or like Onana for from Ajax, for example, another like mm-hmm. name that would be top tier. That would that would solidify as a ten out of ten of window. I look at it this way. Ben Chilwell solves their left-back problem. I think Thiago Silva, he's he's done it all. He's played in Serie A. He knows what the like the more physical type of defending is because he's done it in Milan. So I don't really see him having an issue. Yes, he's a little bit older, but you also remember defenders play until their mid-30s quite well, and especially ones that are like elite high-level ones, and I think Thiago Silva is one. So I think him and whoever you partner him in the middle – um, whether it's Rudiger or Azipukleta, whoever you want to play in that, in that other slot, I think they're going to be fine together. Um, midfield, obviously, they didn't need to really purchase anybody who's a, who was a midfield. They have N'Golo Kanti who's going to come back. You have you mentioned Kovacic. I think that's going to be a great little two-man pivot right there. And, yeah, like you said, the main issue that there was was scoring goals. And they basically bought everybody that scores goals or assists goals in world <laughs> to the team. And they're like, hey, we're not going to have any issues with this next year. So, yeah, like Tammy Abraham and Giroud, great. You got replaced by Kai Havertz and Timo Werner. Huge upgrade. You have, yes, you mentioned Pulisic, but he pulled up with a hamstring injury, and he's going to be out for the beginning of the season. 
So you're going to have Hakeem Ziyech coming in. And obviously, with other guys rotating in with Mason Mount, like you mentioned. Um, who am I missing? Uh, ben Shula, obviously, new starting left back. So my whole thing with this window is, is this squad of essentially five new starters, I'll, I'll say five new starters, are they going to gel in time for the season to begin? And that's where the results are going to come in. So if they click and they're like, hey, we understand Frank's uh, like his lineup, his his style, his managing, we get it, and this team clicks right out of the gate. Like I, if I was Liverpool and City, I'd be like, hey, what's Chelsea? Like I'd be keep an eye on London. I'd be like, hey, what what are they doing down there? Like I would look at them very carefully because that team is is set up to compete for that title. And that's kind of what I want to ask you. Obviously, with all these moves, you have LFC who's still there. You have City who's still there. And they've made, they've also made some moves and are going to tinker with their lineups a little bit for the next year. So, can Chelsea currently let's let's leave it currently without any potential new goalkeepers or anything currently? Can this Chelsea team compete with those other two squads for a title next year? Okay, so goal goals for the season for them obviously has to be a title at that point, right? You don't spend that much money if you're not looking to win a, a championship, and that's just that's just the facts of it. So. It really boils down to, like you just said, are they going to gel in time? And I think you look at the squads, such as City, and you look at the squad as such as Liverpool, and the two of them may be getting a couple refreshers team-wise, but they're not replacing half of their starting 11. There's chemistry there that's being built over championships, over seasons. So I don't think that they win the EPL next season, and I think they fall short of the mark due to that. And unfortunately for Super Frank, I don't think that he ends up being the manager for longer than next season, specifically because of that. You know, when Chelsea were saying, hey, come take care of us and be the interim, he was in a good way and he came in and him qualifying for the Champions League was a bonus. Whereas right now it's a mandate, if not winning the entire thing. So my take on it is that they're going to fall short of the mark. I don't think they have... The cohesion as a team to do that and uh yeah i was just i i gotta say i think frank's gonna be out the door because of it yeah so i i think i think with this talent like making a champions league is bare minimum that they should be looking at bare, right. bare minimum um so yeah like to my point before like if they gel and they can compete and really push i think if they pushed city and LFC, it's like a brink or a very close title race, maybe like within a couple points. And they really showed like, hey, we're, we're here to win. And they were maybe like one or two more like pieces away within this next year to really like fully going all out and like getting that win. I don't think Frank's going to be out the door. Like, it, like I said, it all depends on how quickly this team gels and what results they pull out at the beginning of the year. Because if this team is like faltering and they're still getting like these nil-nil score lines or winning one-nil and they're not getting those results... Um, then you're going to be looking at Frank and be like, okay, we gave you all the tools to fix the issue we had last year. We gave you literally all the attacking power that we could purchase in world football in one window. Um, right. within, within financial fair play. Within, <laughs> uh, we gave you everything we can give you. And we're still winning like 1-0 and we're, we're squeaking out wins. Like, yeah, sometimes it's nice, but with all this firepower, you're expecting to score goals. And if they're not like pushing LFC Man City to a title... That's when I, I'd see the board being like, hey, is, is Frank the correct manager to get us there? Because you still remember there's there's good managers that are available. You have Allegri, you have Pochettino. These, these guys don't have jobs right now. And so you wonder, like, hey, there are seasoned managers that have done well with their squads available. Like, do we make a replacement? What do we do? So I'm really curious of how um, Frank manages all this attacking talent and if he can get the best out of them in this next year. Fair enough, fair enough. So I guess we, let's boil it down to a a yes or no. Is Super Frank the man for the job? I think I will say I will say yes. I think he can do it. I think he showed enough promise last year with the squad that he had and with the uh, lack or better thereof of attacking options. And I think he will do it, seeing out how much how much talent they gave him this year. What part of a yes or no answer didn't you grasp I, on that one i i live by my own mr long-winded over there is you just know already with mr long-winded i uh, <laughs> i think the man has a genius like you i think he is the man for the job i would i would say yes that that's still longer than a yes or no answer <laughs> 
Touche. So why don't we why don't we keep in tune kind of with Chelsea, but but carry it on a little bit. Let's parlay this a bit into the U.S. men's national team because they've kind of propelled themselves into the spotlight a little bit. And people can't see, but Marson's making a funny face because he does have a stigma against the U.S. men's national team. I don't think it's. I don't think it's a stigma. I would say that. I'll, I would say that. Uh, okay, so if you really are a diehard U.S. men's national team fan, you will not agree with my opinion. If you're objective and you can see it from my perspective, I think you will agree with me in some aspect of it. And think, and if you're somebody who kind of lives life down the middle, you might see it from my point of view. But whatever. Uh, so, <laughs> Karen Ford, U.S. men's national team's kind of been propelled more so into the spotlight because of the large potential of a lot of players on that roster or on the eligibility for that roster. You have Winston McKinney, who just signed for Juve, which was a really big deal because it came out of left field for a lot of people. Nobody was really anticipating that move. You know, Marson's a diehard fan, and even he was like, wait, we signed, we signed who? Why did we, what? You know? No, I, I know who Weston McKinney is. I, I'm, not like, <laughs> I'm not like most of these like Serie A fans that as soon as, we signed they're like oh i've followed him for years i've known who he is like no, no, no. like <laughs> i, I, I watch him <laughs> I, I watch plenty of bundesliga games i i've watched mckinney play for Schalke, especially when they played Bayern when they played bbb so i've seen him play a couple times i, I know who he is uh i'm not gonna say i'm an expert but i do know who, i wasn't like who is that i did that that was not what i said at all i actually see he was like who is this who, is he irish mckinney no but uh so <laughs> so anyways Men's national team being brought in here. So I actually have in front of me a starting, a possible potential starting 11 that would be in time for the next World Cup okay. for the qualifying for us. Okay. And Marson has in front of him too. And just kind of the audible I'm going to pull on Marson real quick is that gun to both our heads, we probably for the left back and center back positions couldn't tell you anything about these players. Nope. Very much somebody kind of pulling potential out of Europe and saying, here's some guys that, that would, uh, that would do it justice. So instead we're going to focus on the other players that are on that list and kind of speak to them a little bit more. So why don't we start with, uh, with Winston McKinney and we're just going to kind of boil this down to potential or overhyped. Let's boil it down to that. So Winston McKinney, I'm putting you on the spot, Marcin, because he does play for your team now. Sure. Potential or overhyped? How are you feeling about him? So here's my thing. So I think it's potential. Okay. Uh, but that potential comes with an asterisk. So okay. I will say potential depending on if he can break into the starting 11 of Juve and if he gets good, like, ample minutes to play. Because if he's fifth, sixth down on the pecking order, that's not going to help him. And that's not going to help the men's national team. Um, so I'm going to say promising with an asterisk. And I think that might be like a running theme for a, a good number of these guys looking at fair this. Enough. Very young 11 that we're looking at here. Right. So mm -hmm. it is it is pretty fair. So why don't you throw one my way? Sure. So I'm going to switch you over to the other side of um, McKenny's position uh, in center mid. And we're going to talk about Adams from Leipzig. Promising okay. or overhyped? Okay. So Tyler Adams for me is actually promising. Tyler Adams showed at a very young age, at the New York Red Bulls, albeit that it was in the MLS, he had an engine to get up and down the pitch. He had a good brain for the game, and he understood his position really well. The kind of homage to him and, and the kind of, you know, and the understanding for me and what makes him special as opposed to an overhyped player is the fact that in Europe, he has played at right back, right wing back, and center mid. And a lot of people might attribute that to saying, okay, well, maybe he wasn't good enough to nail down a starting center mid spot, but you could also look at it to where if you're a coach in Europe, you don't just stick a center midfielder at right back unless you're confident that he understands how to play the position and he's got a brain for it, right? Because otherwise you're just setting yourself for, up for failure. And to be fair, Red Bull Leipzig did extremely well with him when he was in the side. So for me, Tyler Adams, definitely a promising player. I'm not buying into anything saying that he's overhype. I think he knows his style. And I think even better yet, the club that he's at understands his style as well. Cool. Okay, so I'll go yep. tip for tie with you here. We're going to go further down into the team. Let's go over to Serginho Dest. All right, cool. So, yeah, so side note before I get 
into my my my. Actually, I'll, I'll just let you know. I, I'm gonna put him down as promising. I actually really like Serginho Dest. Um, my whole thing with him is I'm actually really surprised that he's even on this list because I really thought he was gonna be the starting right back for the Dutch team. Um, mo- like he is Dutch. I, I believe he was raised in 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 the Netherlands. Um, but yeah, I was really sh- surprised initially that he chose not to be the the right back because I can't really think of who's the starting right back for the Dutch team, and I think that Dest would have like within a year or two would have essentially nailed that spot down. And I mean, let's let's be honest. Like if you're I main U.S. men's national team versus Holland, I mean Holland's got talent up and down that roster. They're they're going to be a potential team to win the Euros. They might make some noise at the World Cup. So like I was really shocked that he actually even chose to play for the u.s men's national team but yes i will go promising i actually really like the kid um he's linked with uve and i'm actually i'd be really hyped if he actually joined uve because that's a future I, like i said that's i think he's a stud uh for, of a future right back so definitely promising for me no asterisk there no asterisk but i will throw out to you just kind of and this is not to poo poo the men's national team for the u.s at all but think about it like this who is really going to challenge him for a right-back spot on the U.S. side, DeAndre Yedlin, guy has pace for days, but he doesn't have the football brain to back it up. Where you look at it, where if you're looking at a small country in Holland that's constantly producing talent, you know he might have that spot in a year or two, but in a year or two, some other guy might come that's a, a superstar stud and take that spot from him. So, Well, well to, to your point, it all depends on what your motivation is. If, you're, if you want to be challenged and you want to like go at it against the best of the best in the world, which I think Holland has some of the best top-tier players in the world, and that's your that's your motivation. Like Holland will be move if you want to take kind of not the easier route. I don't want to say that because that's that's a little. Well, what if you not, just want guaranteed football? You know, you're a young player. You want to play. Yeah. Yeah. So all right, that was Virginia Dennis. I just had to pepper in what my take on the situation was. Why don't you give me? Why don't you give me another player out of this? Because we're almost done with it. Yeah. So let's go with. Um, I'm gonna throw a little curveball. Uh, Timothy Way uh, at Lille. Okay, so Timothy Way for me is overhyped. I just don't, I understand, you know, he's got potential in him, but he's just consistently injured. I think he's going to be one of those stories where he's going to have a good year or two for the men's national team, and he's just going to kind of fall floor, fall short of the mark on that because it's just it's just not there for me. I just don't see it. It's, you know, I don't I don't mean any disrespect to the kid. He's young. He could turn it around at any point. Fair to him. But right now, I just think it's overhype as opposed to promising. That last name is pulling a lot of weight for him. I hate to say it out loud, but realistically speaking, what has he really done in the game that is warranting him being on this list with these other promising players? True. Okay. All right. What do you, right. What do you got for me? Another uh, attacker on this list. Okay. So I'm going to give you an attacker on this list, and I will give you one Christian Pulisic. All right. So... Uh, Pulisic, I'm going to go with promising. Uh, I think he is the best offensive talent that I've seen over the last, I'd probably say decade, come up through the men's national team. And and to be yeah, fair, really fair, yeah, yeah, I think that's I, I think that's fair. Also, uh, I'm saying that not really following the men's national team. I mean, I catch the occasional game because I live in the states, but everybody knows I'm from Poland. I watch predominantly the Polish national team games and then the occasional larger football match around Europe. Um, but yeah, so Polish, I think from what I've seen, I think is the best offensive talent the U.S. team has produced in the last, de- I'd say, decade. Uh, I think since Landon Donovan. But I'll be honest, I'll, I'll, I'll pull from there because Donovan was, uh, I'll admit, he was one of the better ones, in that, uh, or even, well, not even better ones, best one for the U.S. men's national team. Um, uh, yeah, the- I was a bigger Clint Dempsey fan. He did it at Fulham. That's true. Um, but yeah, I think I think Pulisic, I think just has that um, kind of not, not like he's not like, like Eden Hazard because obviously that's that's the wrong comparison right now. But he kind of reminds me of him, where he he's can direct. kind of yeah, he's very direct and just has those like those mazy runs and and he has an eye for for distributing the ball and and can pop him with some goals. Um, great on the ball with dribbling wise, and I think he's just electric. So I think I'm going obviously Pulisic is is definitely promising for me. So I'm actually curious how he comes back from this injury and if he still has a, sp- a starting spot in the lineup um, with all these new offensive additions at Chelsea. So that's something to kind of keep an eye on for the beginning of the new year there. Okay, and I have one. one let's, let's do one more in the offensive category. Okay. And we're going to do Mr. Josh Sargent at Werder Bremen. What do you think on him? Okay, 
Josh Sargent at Werder Bremen was very dangerously close to being overhyped. However, mm. however, he really put the work in and he really worked himself into Werder Bremen to the point where their head coach has openly stated, I cannot see a Werder Bremen starting 11 without Josh Sargent in it. He had a crucial back end. I mean, he only got four goals in 28 games, but four goals in 28 games for a young kid coming into the league really isn't that bad. Uh, when he first went over to Europe, he was a little bit of a shrimp, actually. But, you know, he's kind of he's hit his growth spurt. He's I think he's standing at six one right now, really looking like a physical presence and putting in a shift in his games. So for me, he's there. He's pro- he's he's definitely, you know, potential. And I think he's he's going to be a good uh, he's going to be a good addition to this team. I think he's going to be a good look for the men's nationals. Yeah. Very promising. So he's 6'1", 175, which is exactly my metrics, except I'm just a lot more handsome. But, yeah. so Well, just... you're not a ginger, so it's not his fault. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to any gingers listening to this podcast right now. I love you. <laughs> alienating half. Like, well, just, he's, 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 got the, like, he's got the whole Ed Sheeran kind of thing about him where he doesn't look like... Like, if I saw him on the street, I wouldn't be like, you're a professional athlete. I would be like... You're some awkward kid from Missouri. I feel, I feel like you could say that for like a good portion of footballers, though. Like to, <laughs> to be fair, you could you could like walk past them in the stream. You're like, who's this five foot six dude walking past me? And it's like, oh, that's Insigne. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the disrespect to Insigne. Oh, geez. All right. Well, look, that concludes men's national team for us. We uh, we we do. Yeah, I guess we would say we support the men's national team to an extent. I think it's a good, it's a fair shout. They're a good bunch of guys. At least you don't have to see Graham Zuzi playing on the team anymore. That's a big plus. So, yeah, we'll hold on to that till the day I die. But anyway, I will let Morrison take the lead here on Syria uh, because that's where we're, that's looking like where we're going to probably end up wrapping things up. So let's hit this. Yeah. So we're going to do a uh, little, kind of something a little bit different. We'll do, I like to call qu- Syria quick hits. Uh, so we're going to go over, I think, how many? Three, six nine transfers or uh, or moves that are potential or or like higher higher in probability of happening uh doesn't mean that they're 100 percent confirmed and we're just going to be like hey does this move make sense um yes or no is it a good move for the player a good move for the team and we'll kind of take it from there maybe have a quick this quick little discussion about some of these so i'm going to start it off real quick with probably the most recent one out of these uh rumors and that's tonali kind of being having his move to uh inter hijacked and now he will be going to milan it looks like so your thoughts on tonali to milan good move or bad move i think matt santi would probably punch me in the jaw if i said that it wasn't a good move uh, so <laughs> i will say good move for him any move into you know Syria's elite would have been great for him and you know no shots being taken at brescia they're they're a good club you know, but it, they're they're just not at the level that's going to be needed for him. Do I think Milan is going to be his last step? Probably not as a club, if I'm being perfectly transparent. But I think that is the right club at this time for him. And, hey, if he ends up maturing and that club turns back into a powerhouse, that's a win-win for everybody. Yeah, so uh, the move looks like it's going to be a loan, uh, 10 mil up front, and then I believe an additional 25 mil with a obligation to buy is is what i read so 35 mil total um but yeah so so awesome i think it's a great move for tonali uh i think he's gonna have more space to operate in that midfield just more guaranteed playing time versus him going to 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 merida um so i think yeah i'm all for it and i and i know that he grew up what i read was that he grew up a milan fan so it's kind of like that that classic old story of uh boyhood like like following your club from boyhood and then playing for them when you're older. So, I mean, that's that's a cool little story also to kind of like throw in there. Yeah, absolutely. So, like we said, we're going through these rapid fire. So, next one is Higuain to the MLS. What do you think? I mean, everybody kind of, if you talk to any UA fan, everybody kind of saw this happening. Um, Higuain needed to leave. Let's let's be honest. He, his His contract needed to be off the books. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's a good move for I think everybody involved for Juve. He, they get the contract off the book so they can sign a new forward. Uh, Miami gets a new designated player to partner with Matuidi, who also went from Juve to Miami, and uh, Higuain can enjoy the uh, the summer sun in in Florida. So I mean, uh, I think it's a good move all around. Fair enough, fair enough. I I agree with you. I think MLS is a is a good 
look for him right now. He could hang out with his brother stateside. His brother has been playing in the MLS for for a hot minute now. Yep. Um, yeah, so I, I think he'll I think he'll be in a good way. It's actually, now that I say that out loud, I really don't know if he's still in the MLS. I believe he is as a backup player, but who's to say that's not what we're talking about right now? So you're on to the next one. <laughs> yeah. So next one is going to be one for you, just for you, just for you. It's yeah, uh, I asked for this one. <laughs> it's a uh, it's a uh, Mkhitaryan um, getting his permanent move to Roma. Good move or bad move? Ooh, Mickey, Mickey, Mickey. Good move. Good move all around for everybody. Mickey had a great last season for Roma. I believe he actually finished in Serie A, our second top goal scorer. He just missed out on double digits. And good move all around, not only because of the fact that he enjoyed his time at Roma, but also because Arsenal actually really worked with the club and with him as the player to facilitate the deal because Arsenal basically came to the conclusion that they really weren't going to get a lot for him. And that, especially with this COVID happening right now, their idea was if we can get him off of the wages, it's just going to save us financially for the next season. So they really worked with Roma in facilitating that deal. So proper shouts to Arsenal, letting him go to where he wants to play football and kind of helping Roma at the same time. So hit for me. Cool. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a back-to-back ones for you. Um, okay. and we're going to go with Alan leaving Napoli and going to Everton. Good move. So I think good move for Alan, not because he's leaving Napoli, but because Everton kind of ranking up a little bit of a project over there, right? So yeah. they also have Hannes. I I actually don't know if he's already confirmed with the club, but it's a, it's it's basically looking like it's a done deal. Yeah. Yeah. So Hannes and he's got Carlo Ancelotti over there, and when you look at it, Alan is Alan. I feel bad for him because at Napoli he got kind of a bad rep a little bit, where he was kind of. He got lumped in with like troublemaker player wise, and I don't think that's really him. He just he's a guy that puts on a shift every time that he's on the field. So he is somebody that I think Everton are gonna need in their squad. Let's face it, going to the EPL, he's gonna get a nice pay bump, and I think that's justified for him. So all around, I think a good move. What's your take on that one? Yeah, I think also, um, yeah, like like you just mentioned, spot on Everton are building a solid little little club there with Carlo Ancelotti uh, under the helm of that team. Uh, James Rodriguez coming in is going to be a move. Obviously, Ancelotti loves James and vice versa. They, they like each other. So I think that relationship is going to do very well. Uh, and having somebody like Alan, who's like, like you said, he's just going to run for 90 minutes. He's he's one of those like kind of Vidal-esque players that's just going to book it up and down. And I think that's that's any team will, will benefit greatly from having a player like that. So, yeah, solid move all the way around. Solid moves all the way around. Now, let's move to a move that went back around. So a move that went back around was Moise Keane moving back to Juve on loan. What do you make of that? Yeah, so new reports out that Juve are trying to get him on a two-year loan uh, with an obligation to buy, which would be obviously spread out the cost of the operation. Um, But yeah, I think this is an awesome move. I think, yeah, he kind of didn't really gel well with the EPL. I think he scored four goals and 20-something appearances, if I remember correctly. So he he didn't really hit it off the mark. Um, But yeah, I mean, he's, he's what, an 18, 19-year-old kid that moved like across across the continent moved out of italy where he's he's been there for years and to the epl it's a different lifestyle and i think that kind of like kind of shook him up a little bit and i feel like going back to juve and having that experience dressing room and him knowing that hey like this is like team's gonna obviously nurture him to be the new number nine of the team uh, i think he'll he'll do wonders there i I think that's where he should have stayed to be honest I, i don't think any juve fan would be like oh i was happy to see him leave but I think coming back, I think it'll be a, a good move for him. And I think you may need that youngster um, that's going to be like right in behind just to kind of get some minutes in and get some playing time in and, and slowly integrate him into the side. So I, and I think he's perfect. I think he's got everything um, characteristics-wise from a player that you want in a future number nine. Fair enough, fair enough. I have to say that it would. It seems like at the time that they let him go is because there was a lot of racial charge tension inside CDI in general. Uh, I actually, I think at the time it was actually a good idea for him to to take a step out because, you know, there there was a lot of racially charged energy floating around Italy at the time, and I think it was a good look for him. However, I don't think the English media have been all that kind to him on the way back. They really villainized him to make him out to be some kind of like party boy problem child. When again, I really don't think he's come off like that, and I, I don't believe. Yeah, and, and that's my beef with the English media is that they really made this 19-year-old kid out to be like he's some kind of problem when really he's probably just trying to 
make some kind of life for himself inside a new country. So going back home, good luck for him, in my opinion, as well. So why don't you take the lead on the next one? <laughs> yeah. uh, one, one of your boys, one of the Serbian boys. That's why you have to take lead to it, because I didn't want to. I know. Uh, call it off going to uh, uh, Merida. Right? Ugh. Of all teams. God. Yeah. So what, do you, what, do you, what do you think? Good move or bad move? Okay. I'm going to go bad mood because I'm salty about this. I knew you uh, would. So, knew you would. <laughs> so bad move for me because, first of all, Inter are playing hardball, and they don't want to pay 2 million euros for him, which I understand the guy's probably got a couple of years left, if that, of good football in him. But he's a leader in the dressing room. So what you're really paying for is not so much what he's doing on the field as much as it is what he's doing off the field. I distinctly remember probably two seasons ago where Alessandro Florenzi, or Flo, as I love to call him, uh, Flo is really... Best buddies. My, my best buddy, Flo. He was in the tunnel, and it was halftime against, I think it was Sampdoria, and he was chatting it up with somebody, and Kolarov absolutely ripped into him while Florenzi was wearing the captain's band, and he's just that competitive. The guy just fights bears in, like, his spare time. Like, you know, that's just, like, the kind of guy he is. And that's what you need in the locker room. And I think when De Rossi left, he kind of filled a lot of that void of that competitive mindset of somebody who wants to win. And a lot of times fans complain about him moaning, you know, on the pitch about like, you know, I didn't get this call, blah, 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 this happened. But in all actuality, the guy's just a winner. And I think the more winners you let out of your squad at Roma, the poor position you're in. And for, you know, I just think it's not a good deal all around for everybody involved. And I think it's all the same to call it off, whether he stays or goes. But, you know, I'd rather see him stay. I think he's I think he's a quality player. I'm, I'm not even going to chime anything in because I think everything you said was accurate. Although, I'm going to switch it over and quickly ask you the next one because I want you to take the lead on this one. Okay, I guess. And it's Arkadiusz Milik to Juve or to Roma? Because obviously the rumor were both. Where where does it make more sense for him to go for his career? Okay, so do you want me to just do Roma side of it and then you could do Juve side of it and then that's like... Have at it. Okay, cool. All right. So Roma side of it. Does it make sense for him to go to Roma? Absolutely makes sense for him to go. Uh, we already have a lot of players that have knee injuries, so he'll fit right in. That was a low blow, and I take that back immediately. That was really mean. He's not that bad of a guy. But, you know, as far as it goes, he is a really talented player. And he you know, he does remind me a little bit of a more mobile Zeko in the way that he plays. I, You know, he's a good hold-up player. He can come to feed as well. So he's a talented all-around player. And, I mean, what is he, 26 right now, if I'm right? So 26 years old, guy's an established professional, been around the block. Has he had his share of injuries? Absolutely. Uh, actually, I think somebody on Twitter was passing some numbers around where it looks like he actually, for the games that he could have played while he was at Napoli, he's actually only played 33% of them, I believe. He's got a really low appearance profile. And again, that's just down to him, just really unfortunate injury-wise. He stays healthy. He's a good fit at Rome. He obviously walks into that starting 11 if he is at Rome. And um, that's my that's really my pitch for him is that he could walk into the side and he's got creative players that will feed him really well. If he was able to do what he does at Napoli, I think he'll be doing just as well at Roma. Yeah, so my Juve side of it, and obviously I am a little biased here because he is he's one of my countrymen, so... But I think it will be a great move for him to go to Juve. And I know a lot of Juventini don't don't want him there. And like, hey, I don't care. I would love him there. Um, <laughs> That's the pitch. That's the whole thing. <laughs> the whole pitch, you know. But let, let's be honest. He, he, he was stellar at Ajax before he made the move to Napoli, scoring, I think, 36 goals in, in his leading campaign. So he, he put on a show in the ear to busy. Um, yeah, he had his first two years didn't go great, obviously, with the, um, the two back-to-back ACL injuries. So... First two years of, of his Napoli time were essentially a wash. But since he, since then, I mean, he had, what, 23 goals last campaign. He had uh, 17 goals, I think, this campaign out of, I think, 20. Like, th- like he had a really good ratio for goals and assists per per appearance. So when he's since he's played since those injuries, he's produced. Uh, and obviously, the, the Napoli squad isn't really too thrilled that he already said that he wasn't re-signing on a deal. So towards since like January, he was kind of like, not like blackballed, but really wasn't seeing those minutes because he already said, hey, I'm not signing a new contract. Like I'm going to be a free agent next year. So he kind of got a little pushed to the side. So that's why his appearances weren't 
as high as they should have been this year. But yeah, when he's played for Napoli, he's been stellar. And I think he would just he would relay that 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 talent at Juve. Um, like you've mentioned, he he's mobile. He can play with feet. He can he can distribute the ball. Um, and playing with guys like DiBala and Ronaldo, I think his statistics would just would just be even better. So uh, I would love to see him there. I know a lot of people give him a lot of a lot of, a lot of issue with oh he's had injuries. He fit right in at, at J Medical. I understand that, um, but I I just don't think so. I think with the amount of the talent that the team has, I think he'll he'll be healthy and he, he would produce. Um, but yeah, switching it kind of a little bit, sticking with that Napoli theme, I'm going to ask you the next one, and that's going to be the reports that Man City have agreed personal terms with Koulibaly and now are negotiating with Napoli for a fee, obviously, for him. So Koulibaly to Man City, good move or bad move? Uh, Koulibaly to City, excellent move. Absolutely excellent move all around. And, uh, you know, for for him, I think it's time for him to leave Napoli. I think he's done everything he can at the club. And I just don't think Napoli are going to get him to where he wants to be, which is obviously going to be, you know, a, a league title and, and or a Champions League title. Whereas I feel at City, he really has a good chance of accomplishing these things. Yeah. And last one, I'm going to also give this this last one to you before we wrap up. And okay. that is uh, your, your boy, Patrick Schick. Patty, Patty, getting his move to Leverkusen on a permanent deal. Okay, so Patrick Schick, let's sum it up in this way: it's a good move all around because he's clearly expressed that he can perform in the Bundesliga, and he's clearly expressed that you know he. It's I just don't think Roma was the fit for him. I think it takes a certain mentality to play at the club, and unfortunately for him, I just think that he came in real young, made a bad first impression. And it's just kind of stuck with him. You know, when he gets on the pitch, there's there's a little bit of anxiety when it comes to Roma, whereas I feel like when he gets on the pitch in the Bundesliga, there's a little bit of excitement and a little bit of belief. You know, if you saw him in his Red Bull Leipzig strip, you would never imagine that it's the same player that, you know, that was at Roma. So for me, you know, good move all around. I want to see him thrive. He's a, he's a talented player. It's just not working out for him at Roma. Yeah, so, and on that note, that kind of wraps up our Syria quick hits for this week. And that kind of wraps up our episode. I think this was an action-packed episode, if I do say so myself. A, a spectacular action-facilitated episode of epic adjectives. All right, Tim, that's enough of that. Um, <laughs> I'm going to have you wrap it up before I give us the, the wrap-up spiel. So, Tim, say goodbye to all the wonderful folks listening. All right, everybody. As always, it was real talking. It was real, you know, sharing all the football news. But it is time for us to go. So as always, I am Tim Camaraj at Footy Kuji on Twitter. Always happy to answer questions or kind of bring up topics while we're over here. So that's my end of it. And I'll let Marson do all the promotion work and all the other stuff. So off to you, buddy. Mm-hmm. And like always, I have to do all the hard work on the podcast. <laughs> to do it. Uh, but yeah, so <laughs> so yeah, you could follow. Obviously, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Toppins Talk or on Twitter at Toppins Talk underscore at Toppins Talk. Um, you could always follow me P- at PLUventino on Twitter. Uh, obviously, if you guys ever want to be guests on episodes or have any comments or questions or even have a topic idea for a future episode that you guys want us to talk about, um, feel free to either shoot us a DM or just shoot us a regular message. Um, we'll be more than happy to answer you. Obviously, um, follow us on Spotify or on iTunes where you can listen to our podcast. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And until the next one, we're out. Peace. Peace.